Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Millennial Economics Podcast, a very special episode um, here at Millennial Economics. It is the first ever interview um, for the podcast, and you will soon hear the interview or discussion, I should say, conversation that I had with a good buddy of mine um, who moved out to California, Nick Arthur. Um, We talk about finance, investing, um, good money habits, um, and he is coming from a perspective of somebody that didn't know much about investing, um, new to kind of, I guess, personal finance, you could say, kind of his journey in his learning, um, what he does now. Um, We have lots of good tidbits um, about budgeting and investing and philosophy. Um, so I'm super, super excited for you guys to listen, um, and it was a it was a pleasure um, to get to catch up with him. I don't talk to him as much as I I would like. So um, just a couple things before we get into the uh, the interview. Um, number one, neither one of us are finance professionals, um, so this is not financial advice. It is simply for entertainment purposes. Um, and also, just wanted to get a quick quick sponsorship um, note, I guess you could say. Um, you know, I, I, I love talking about acorns. Um, and in the conversation, I actually talk, <laughs> talked to Nick about acorns years and years and years ago when I first started using it. Um, but it's a phenomenal platform for beginning investors. It does two things really, really well. Um, it does a, it, it has a roundup feature, um, where it rounds up every transaction that you do to the nearest dollar and invest the spare change into an investment account. It's also really great at automating your investing. So what I use it for currently, and have been doing so for over four years now, is um, I invest every Friday um, a certain amount of money. I started off with something that I I wouldn't even know um, was out of my bank account, $5 every Friday. (laughs) And before I knew it, um, that had accumulated into something substantial. um, And it's something that I still use to this day. So if you'd like to open an Acorns account, it's super easy. You just click the link in the show notes. Um, when you open an account using that link, you'll get $5 added to your account, um, and I will get a little bit of kickback, so you will be supporting the Millennial Economics Podcast. So without further ado, here is the conversation I had with Nick Arthur. First of all, thank you so much for doing this. Um, it's uh, my first official interview on the Millennial Economics Podcast. Oh, so I like it. Congratulations. Um, but basically what I thought would be valuable for listeners is, and what I've kind of learned from some feedback is a lot of my listeners are not your prototypical finance community folks, right? Um, So they're like normal people that when I post about how I bought two homes before 30, they're like, Oh, cool. Like, let me check that out. Like I'm thinking about buying my house or, you know, they're, they're pretty quote unquote normal people. And so when I, when we were having a conversation about mutual funds and, the uh, the dabbling of investing that we've we've done uh, together, I guess you could say. Uh, I was like, man, I got to get Nick on. Plus, it's a great excuse for me just to kind of catch up with you, man. So, uh, yeah, I sure. really appreciate it. Yeah, and like I messaged you, I, I very entry level knowledge when it comes to investing. So, I, I hopefully Good. there's something I, I say that has some value. I apologize in advance if I don't, if I don't bring much to the table, but. Nope. Um, but yeah, any I've I've done a lot of personal research, and, and I'll I'll kind of get into it. You know, I have a really close friend of mine, uh, one of my groomsmen, who who actually is a personal financial advisor. Oh, nice. for, for for Merrill Lynch, and you know, he's been kind of my my rock that I've leaned on through for a lot of this uh, journey. Uh, but even with, you know, despite that, I still consider myself very basic on my knowledge of personal finances and investing. Cool, cool. So let's just start off. Um, and it's kind of redundant because I know we just talked about it, but let's just start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself. You don't have to get too much into the weeds um, and then kind of what you do for work and what you do in your free time, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm in my, my late twenties, as we joked before we started recording, I'm, I'll be 30 <laughs> in about 10 days, which is a crazy milestone to think mm-hmm. that, that we're hitting those points. But I, uh, I live with my, with my wife. Uh, we don't have any kids yet, but we do have a kid on the way for, for May, uh, which I, I'm sure as you uh, can, can relate to, you know, <laughs> definitely started getting the numbers in order as far as finances and start uh-huh. you know, adjusting budgets for certain things for monthly expenses and all that. Uh, but we, uh, we obviously met in uh, my first sales job in 2015. Uh, we worked together right, yeah. for almost two years. And then I, 
moved off to LA when my, my wife got a job with Fox and um, I stayed in the, the sales industry. I work for a company now that provides uh, software and uh, sensors to, uh, to, to for, for dentists in the uh, dental industry. So um, kind of like, you know, would fit into that medical sales category, but we are pretty software focused. So I don't usually describe it as, as medical okay. sales. I didn't know that. Uh, but I, uh, you know, I, most of what I do is, is, is inbound calls and it's not the old school, you know, cold calls and, and that stuff that we, that we dealt with Grind, uh, bro. for a couple of years. Yeah. So I, I definitely appreciate the, the current position that I'm in. Uh, but as far as me personally, you know, I really like sports. I, I like to self-educate myself. I enjoy uh, exercising when I, when I can and being in LA, obviously I love the weather. I love sunny and 75. Uh, which we get dude, about you left 300 the, of those a year. You left the Midwest, dude, glammed up to the West Coast, dude. It's, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm bitter about it, but I'm a little upset about it. Yesterday was the coldest high temperature since we've moved to LA. 55. What do you think it was? 55. It was 52 degrees. Dude, that. <laughs> and rainy. And rainy. Okay. Uh, the previous low was 50, was 54. Sorry, it was the, uh, the previous uh, lowest high temperature yeah. since we've moved here. Uh, but, that's that's my book. Did I did I miss anything? No, I like it. And just so for the listeners, um, our our millions of listeners that we have on the Millennial Economics Podcast, um, Nick's one of those guys that you know people just gravitate toward. You're genuinely a good dude. Um, I am probably to a fault if you ask my wife. Um, really particular about who I surround myself with, um, especially coworkers. Like I just don't do that. I don't hang out with coworkers. Uh, but ever since meeting Nick, um, we just kind of hit it off. And he's just one of those dudes that you can just tell is a, is a genuinely great guy. And so, yeah, man, I, like I said, I just was really excited to get you on the podcast to number one, catch up um, to number two, learn a little bit about kind of your money story, what your thoughts of money were kind of growing up, what you've learned, maybe how you operate some things. So I'm just going to fire off some questions. We'll conversate super casual, um, and then we'll get you out of here. So we'd love to hear what your money story is. Um, and what I mean by that, I think we all kind of have ideas. Um, we all learn things about money from growing up, whether we were affluent or whether we were poor or, you know, whether we heard money discussed a lot or not. Um, I think that has a lot to do. I know it did for me, um, has a lot to do with how we view money. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your, uh, your money story. Yeah. Uh- I don't really have too much of a, you know, I don't have a lot of memories about that growing up. I know some people talk about stories of like certain moments whenever it hit them of, you know, I, I, I want to retire at this age. So, you know, because maybe they saw something their parents went through or their, their parents maybe really disliked their job and they set a certain goal for a career. And I didn't really have any of those moments. Um, I, I, I grew up in West Virginia, not a super wealthy area. Uh, you know, my mom was a, was a public school teacher. My dad worked for the state. You know, we were, you know, far from, from, from <laughs> yeah. wealthy, uh, yeah. you know, but, but, my, but my parents both, you know, my mom was educated. Uh, you know, she, she worked her way up in the public school system and my dad, you know, just had a high school degree, but worked his way up with the state and definitely uh, took care of all necessities and we were comfortable, we were happy. And I think them doing that probably shielded me from uh, worrying about money. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that they they struggled at times and they did a good job of hiding that. Uh, but I worked from a really really young age. Uh, I, you know, I, I think you were the same way. I mean, heck, I think you yep. you had like your own businesses and stuff at a young age. <laughs> you know, I was the kid that started his own yeah. grass company, yeah. uh, grass cutting company at like age fourteen, and, and did that every summer until I was old enough to work. And I, I started working at like a grocery store uh, every summer from college. I had a job working for the state, so I, I was from a young age. I did start to to you know make my own money, and and ultimately with that came lessons about managing it. Right. So what do you think? So you said your parents, by the way, it's super funny too, because I um, would have these conversations over the past couple of years with my parents. And I mean, very similar story to you, right? Like my mom was always a stay at home mom. It was just me and my mom until I was 11. She met my stepdad. Um, He was in the picture from then on, but like he was a police officer. I mean, in the academy, you don't get paid much as a police officer. And we lived off of one income. I have a younger sister. So it was like, we, we made it or they made it work. 
but I didn't realize the struggles that they had and like how tight money was until now talking about it as an adult. And they would tell me like, yeah, we had X, Y, Z dollars come in this month and we didn't know how to make it work. And I thought, oh my gosh, if I had that same amount of income right now coming in, I wouldn't do it. You know, have you ever had those conversations before? Well, you know, I've thought back in like certain moments, you know, like that one Christmas present you asked for and, you know, and you're looking at it now, you know, it was like a $200 Christmas present, you know, and and your parent, you know, and you didn't get it, you didn't (laughs) get it. And and not that, you know, $200 is a lot of money. I just want to, you know, but especially as inflation, you know, about 20 years ago, $200 was even more, but it's just interesting to think like probably you and I in our positions now, you know, if, if our kid wanted that one toy and it was 200 bucks, you know, we, we would probably splurge, splurge and get it for, him. I mean, that's half a PS five. That's right. not that, that's not <laughs> that expensive of a product. Right. Uh, but so like thinking about those situations where they didn't get that item that really wasn't that expensive. Uh, I, I think that kind of provided me with that answer of, of maybe how tight things were. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I've had some conversations with my mom and, you know, she's, you know, been pretty blunt with me, which it sounds like your parents were too, yeah. that, yeah, there were, there were some, you know, there's some rough times and yeah. made sense. Maybe, maybe why we didn't take that vacation that summer and things like that. So do you think that having those, I don't say rough times, but not, not getting everything you wanted played into you being driven to like work and cause even now, I mean, you're in sales, right? I'm in sales. Sales attracts a certain type of person you know, that, that likes money typically. Right. Um, so what do you think that was that drove you to get a job early and have the lawn company and all of that? I think I just wanted to be self-supporting. Um, I, I never like to ask for anything. You know, if, if somebody asked me, I mean, even if somebody asked me if I was hungry, like if I was visiting a friend's house and their parents were like, are you hungry? I would say no, just because I didn't want to bother anybody. I'm the same way. Even though I, dude, I, there's, I wanted that so pop, hungry. Pop-Tart more than anything. <laughs> but I said, but I said no, because I just didn't want to like create a, you know, an inconvenience for somebody. It was, it was the same with money. Like I, I felt I would deliberately ask for less expensive gifts when people would like, if an aunt or a grandparent, Hey, what do you want for Christmas? You know, I would give them something that's like 10 bucks. Cause I, yep. I don't, I don't want to put someone out of their way. It's just, I, I feel bad. Uh, so I think a lot of that drove me into wanting to make my own money just to, to be able to handle as many expenses as I could. Uh, and and I, most of my jobs throughout my summers in college helped offset the, my books, you know, that's a big, big expense. Yep. Uh, so that, that was the start, but you know, I, I didn't go to school to go into to sales. Uh, I went to, to go into, uh, the sport industry. Yep. And I quickly learned that that was 80 hour work weeks for very little pay in college athletics. And it wasn't necessarily the lack of money that drove me out of that industry. It was more of just the, the work-life balance and yeah, not, you know, not sleeping well, not <clears throat> eating well, because you're just devoting so much of your time to work. Yep. Uh, but then I stumbled into sales. And I think at that point, it, it, it hit me of like, okay, there's, there's, there's potential here. If you do this right, if you manage it, if you invest it, if you research, you know, you could, you could set yourself up for, for a long time and set your kids up to be in a really good spot as well. Yep. Yeah. I was the same. I mean, I had, so I didn't go to college at all. I have like not one college credit at all. Um, and completely stumbled into sales. I've always been money driven and I was living with a guy, um, at 19 after I'd moved out, And he was working for a freight brokerage here in Kansas city. And he was like, Hey man, um, they're hiring customer service positions for like 15, but I think it's like 14, 1450 an hour. And I was waiting tables at the time at good old California pizza kitchen, slinging pizzas, CPK CPK, and 14 and a half dollars an hour seemed like a great option for me. Probably double, Uh, double your pay raise. Oh yeah, man. I mean, it was like, what am I going to do with all this money? 14 and a half dollars an hour. Um, so yeah, I got into customer service and, uh, they had kind of an open call. So usually the way it worked is you had to work like two or three years in one position, whatever position you started in that company, and then you could transfer out. Well, I think this company was, uh, in like hyper growth mode. And so they said, Hey, anybody that wants to get into sales, we'll interview you. Right. So I'm, I'm 19 at this point, And I think to this day, I'm the youngest employee in freight quote history. Cause I mean, I was just people getting out of college. were getting these jobs, you know, getting into sales and even working in the customer service side of things. 
I'm 19 years old, don't know anything about the world. Um, so I interview and I think I have a gift of um, convincing people of things. And so that's probably why I've done well in sales. So I just talked my way through that freaking interview with that sales director and um, they gave me the job. And so I think I want to say the base pay was like 35K and I was selling space on a truck, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 35 was base and then there was commission, I assume, based right. on sales as well. Yep. Yep. So how much, you know, how much I sold, how much truck space I sold. And so I was just calling business to business, just cold call, cold call, cold call. Um, and I think that's the story of a lot of people in sales, but what, what has kept me there, um, is like, Hey, I have no degree and I can make, I can make a pretty decent amount of money doing this. So I think it attracts a certain type of personality. And and let's, and let's not ignore the fact I'm in a similar situation as you. I have a very specialized degree in a sports field that I don't like. Uh, right. So I'm also <laughs> in a in, in yeah. a situation where like if I leave sales, what else am I going to do? Uh, so I'm I'm not exactly qualified for for anything else either, and that's yep. kind of forced me to to embrace it for what it is. Yep. Same. Um. So, question: Because you've been married for how many years now? Uh, a little over two. A little over two years. Okay. It's only been two years. You mean only? I thought I know, but I, to me, it, dude, Lily and I just got done with. Uh, in November, we had our eighth anniversary, eight year anniversary. Wow, wow, eight years. So, I thought it was longer for some reason. I don't know why, but, um, so one thing that I would love, and this is like a learning moment for me because I don't get to ask very many people this question, but obviously finances. So Francis is your wife's name, and she works. Um, what is your relationship together kind of as a unit, Ben, with money? And how do you, and again, I don't want to get too personal. You don't have to get too personal either, but how do you all navigate like bills and budgeting and investing and where your money's going to go? Love to hear it. Yeah. I, uh, you know, obviously with any relationship, you split up responsibilities and tasks. And I I can't remember if it was by by choice or or what, but I've pretty much take the head of the paying the bills and, and, you know, and and kind of handling the investment side of things. Obviously I, you know, I consult her for any sort of uh, above, you know, minute decision that I would make, but uh, you know, obviously she was, she was playing soccer in Kansas city when I, when I was working. So kind of then I was, when we were living together, obviously that was before marriage. uh, I I was handling most of the rent and those sort of things because I, you know, I, I, I was making the money then. So that, that I'm sure is probably where it, where it started. Uh, but yeah, I, I handle most of that. Um, you know, something that we do just shot off a cannon here that I think is really works well, well for us. And it, I might be a suggestion for other couples as well, uh, is so obviously we share a bank account, which I'm sure most, most couples do, yep. uh, but we each have our <laughs> own completely separate credit card, uh, which is tied to its own separate credit card account. And that. Sure kind of serves as a nice little privacy for expenses where I can, you know, I can make any sort of purchases I want, you know, not that, not that we're in, an I can go buy whatever type of watches or whatever, you know, the PS five comes out. I can just do whatever oh, I want. Not what, not what I meant. <laughs> uh, not that we're, you know, the instable relationship where sure. like, I'm worried about her looking at every charge I'm going to make. She's not right. that way. I'm not that way, you know, trust me, but it is nice to just like, be able to have some privacy on what you're buying. Sure. Um, and then of course, at the end of each month, we take money out of the main account and pay it towards the credit card. And sure, if she racked up five grand in credit card charges that month, you know, gotta I, have I, a talk. there'd be some questions, <laughs> but, uh, but it, it, it helps for just normal expenses. It helps for, for birthdays. It helps for Christmas, just right. each having their own separate credit card for some privacy and then paying that off from an own central bank account. Yeah, I like it. That's been one thing that Lily and I were just talking about tonight, actually, is, you know, there were some years. So we got we got married young and we had kids like immediately (laughs) after getting married. Um, And, you know, I wasn't making great money, like definitely we weren't poor, but for what we had to pay, um, it was tight. Right. And so I think me being because it's very similar to you, I'm very much the. the financial mind, I should say. And she's definitely more the free spirit in the relationship. So she's kind of the, you know, well, you, you can't always just save for retirement because you might not live that long. And, you know, you spend right. your money now and enjoy it. And there's so much truth to that. And I'm learning that and I'm growing in that. 
but I'm the other side where it's like, well, if you do this in this many years, you're going to have this amount of money and you're going to, you know, Dave Ramsey, you live like no one else. So that, you know, it's a uh, perfect combo though. You balance right. each other out. I'm sure. Absolutely. And we've learned so much from each other. Um, one thing that I didn't do well early in marriage and still am working on now is I was such a micromanager over the finances. So I, I would not allow us to have fun. Um, every purchase was a big decision. Um, it was just not good. Like, well, not when good. Time, when times are tight. That's that's how it's got to be, you know. It's, listen, Nick. It's probably leaked over to when times aren't tight, but you know we're we're growing. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I just think it's it's super interesting, and for everybody out there that does have um, a significant other or a spouse, I should say, um, navigating that financial thing with that person is so crucial. I mean, it's like one of the most important things you could do because, like you said, I mean, you have to trust Francis that she's not going to go do whatever that could ruin. I mean, literally it could throw a year's worth of work out the window in 10 minutes and vice versa, right? Like you guys both work and you have to have that trust and communication, be able to talk about those things. Um, and even just thinking now, this wasn't on my list of things to talk about, but do you all talk about goals that you have frequently together? We, we absolutely uh, talk about, you know, we, we do want to buy a home. Um, and, you know, in, in being in California, that that's a, that's a really difficult you know, all goals Thank should be you. attainable. I'm not even sure if that goal is attainable. <laughs> sure. But, you know, if we live somewhere else in, in, in middle of nowhere, Texas, that might be a little easier thing to accomplish. Uh, we, yep. we do, we do want to buy a home or a nice condo or townhome. We'll see. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> right. and, and we are actively talking about, you know, what can we afford and, and, you know, where are we at in our savings and where do we need to get to? And, you know, how can we, how can we reach that point? What do we need to set aside each month to get there? So yeah, we, we do target goals and talk about how to ultimately achieve them. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think that's so important. I think uh, something I learned in sales and I'm going to butcher this, but the pain of staying the same has to be greater than the pain of change. Right. And so it's like, it kind of goes into that where, you know, you have to have a want out there to drive you toward, because honestly, it's like, there's a lot of sacrifice that comes with good financial habits. I mean, you're saying no to yourself a lot. You're being diligent over a long period of time. Like you're denying instant gratification. Uh, that all sucks if it's not for anything. Like, what's the point? You know, and it's, it's the same thing. I heard people who, uh, who work out. It's like, when you start a diet and start working out, if you don't see goals quickly, or if, if you don't have a goal, like, I, you know, you never see yourself get stronger. You never see any more definition or trim the fat. Like what's the point of working out? Why are you doing it? Right. You no, know, you're going to, you're going right. to stop. So I just think goals are really important, but that's, that's really interesting. Um, so going more toward the money side of things, uh, how did you get into investing? You know, what kind of piqued your interest there? Give us the story on that. Yeah. So I, uh, it was, you know, it, it was COVID. It was, it was the February, March crash that, that happened. And we were, you know, we were in a situation where we both were lucky enough to, to still have our jobs. And, you know, I'd been hearing my whole life about buy low and sell high and things were low and it seemed like the right time to, to get into it. Um, one of my, one of my groomsmen is, is a financial advisor for, for Merrill Lynch. And he had actually been, you know, nudging me for a few years, yeah. like, Hey man, you know, give me a call when you want to get started. You know, we'll, we'll open up a, an IRA for you. You know, we'll, we'll do something just, you know, let me know. And, and I just kind of decided that, that March was the time, um, you know, really interesting, a little off topic, but looking back to March, so I actually was going for a run right when COVID happened yep. or like right when everything started. And I was listening to a podcast from a, somebody and I can't remember the name of it. I'm sure I could message it to you after, but yeah. basically it's this guy that as COVID was coming, he started talking about all these like personal financing tips and, and strategies yeah. that you, that you should initiate. Right. Mm -hmm. yep. And it was like really, really brilliant stuff. It just basically talks about if, you know, if you know, they always talk about having that six months in savings saved yep. up and it's basically, okay, you just got the call. It's from your boss you're fired. It, it's time. Yep. We're putting that six months in saving into action right now. Yep. What can you do 
to help trim the fat of some of your expenses, right? And he talked about, you know, well, okay, let's 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 freeze the car insurance on one of the cars. And he just kind of you know oh, goes yeah. down the list of like all yeah. these things you can do. And man, I'm an idiot for not doing any of those things. <laughs> I, I did not expect us to be in this yeah. situation until now. I could have I could have sold one of the cars, exactly. you know. And, uh, but but that, that's a little off topic. But um, <laughs> but it was it was the March crash that got me interested. Uh, I, you know, I've got a a 401k through my work. I've got a nice profit sharing situation where that 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 goes into that 401k. Nice, pool. that's great. Um, but other than that, you know, I just had a savings account. I was like, you know, I, I yeah. need to do I need to do more. Is it IRA? Is it stocks? You know, what 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 should I do? And it was uh, March that piqued me into doing some research. That's awesome, man. So you're pretty fresh to the investing game. Yeah, we had our fun uh, back, I think, in 2015, <laughs> yeah. um, working for a publicly traded company, drinking some Kool-Aid and deciding right. to throw some some money yep. at, at uh, some stock. Probably the <laughs> biggest mistake I've ever made. 100%. Uh, just throwing money at a company that we knew was failing. Oh, just dying. We, uh, we yeah. drank some Kool-Aid because they had gone through some ownership changes. That's right. Um so other than that, like E-Trade, you know, create an account, throw some money in there and watch it go down to zero real quickly because the company announced bankruptcy almost immediately. No, you have no uh, other experience other than that. Other than that, I had no like, uh, you know, mutual fund, uh, oh. stock, uh, yeah. IRA experience other than 401k. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, that, that would that would be it. Okay, so I have to I have to give the listeners a little bit of background here. So basically, it's just so stupid. How old were we? I mean, I must have been twenty one, twenty two, right? I mean, we 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 probably took ten percent of my wealth. Oh, dude! I just got to telling you, like, I have children at home. <laughs> like, we're, you know, paycheck, paycheck at that point. And we. We said, "Hey, this, the, the, we got a penny stock situation here. We've and heard we that to, if a stock is worth five cents, and it, you know, all it takes is that thing goes up to a dollar, yeah. and we make, the we make twenty grand. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and man, what a what a mistake! So basically, what Nick and I do. So Nick and I are sitting um, sitting next to each other, I think, at this point, or maybe I don't know. We're close." And I'm walking over to him and, you know, I'm like, Hey man, like we gotta, we gotta do this. And you're saying, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. And at this point, there's no real, um, like the barrier to entry was a lot higher than it is now. Like right now I could go download M1 finance is the brokerage I use. It's an app and I, there's no minimum. Like I can just open it and spend $10 on stocks and I can go Robinhood, no minimum. Right. Right. Well, back then there wasn't, at least I didn't know about those things. And so what what do you what do you see on the commercials? E trade. So what are we using? E trade. So five hundred dollar account minimum. I got hardly anything in savings. I'm not making much money at all. Um, but we just we knew this was the right thing to do, and uh, we pulled. Well, we knew. <laughs> we knew. And so we we dumped all of our money into. I don't even remember what the cost was. I mean, it was far less than a dollar. Yeah, it was like 20, 30 cents a share okay. of our companies, it, what it was trading at at that point. It was like the lowest point in the company's 20-year history. Right, surefire, like, surefire bet. Buy low, baby. Can't, can't go wrong if you buy low. Yeah. So we pour 500 bucks into this thing and got, well, okay, no, first, I'm just remembering now, first I did. First I did it. And then I was up. I think it went up to like 80 cents or something like that. I'm like, Nick, I'm just riding the wave, man. Like you're missing out, bro. I'm up $300. Like I yep. was feeling so good. I forgot about that. Yeah. Initially, it did go up. You're yeah. Right. And I was in the money. And of course I didn't pull it out. I mean, I should have just sold right then and there, but here comes Nick. Like, I don't want to miss this wave of wealth. You know? And bye uh, bye, hi. <laughs> you bought dude. And the next day, I swear it just tanked. It just tanked. It was awesome. And then one day we go in and like the account's like frozen, like the, it, well, not frozen, the, the, the stock, the, uh, you know, the symbols, like not showing any updates or anything. And we like Google the company name and they've announced, announced bankruptcy. No longer on the exchange. No longer exchanged. Money down the drain. And you wonder the best part about that story. You don't know this part. Oh, no. I can't remember. How, it was within the last couple of years. Yeah. I had some ding on my account for an outstanding balance with E-Trade. No way. Somehow there were fees being applied to my account. I didn't know. I didn't check it or anything. Like, you know, yeah. I with I withdrew like 
I, I don't know. Like there was a, I think at one point I had $20 left in the account yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it was a nine ninety nine fee to withdraw the money oh for a trading gosh. fee. So I just left it there, yeah. but somehow the fees over those years <laughs> just piled up and I got a negative balance on my account and I had to call and pay E-Trade 50 bucks to get the balance. <laughs> I had to pay him $50. Yes. How long ago is this? <laughs> this was within the last couple of years. Oh was, my gosh. Yeah. It was what a, what an experience. <sighs> what an experience. But you know, I hopefully we're not scaring people. I know, about, man. About investing. <laughs> By but the way, those mistakes I think really helped get us to where we are. Oh my gosh. Sometimes you yeah. have to fail forward, you know. I absolutely agree with you. And you know, I actually think it's encouragement for people because, you know, as far as as far as I'm concerned, I I've invested. I can't remember when I started investing. Well, I always tell the story. So I opened up, you're familiar with Acorns that. So I didn't know what investing really was. Like I knew what the stock market was in general, but I didn't know what mutual funds were, index funds, how the market operated, like high yield savings accounts. I I knew nothing about that. And I, just for you and everybody listening, am not like a penny stock trader, you know, looking at candlestick chart. Like that is not, I don't know anything like that. I am a long-term set it and forget it. I don't want to have to look at my stuff every day because I'm not smart enough for that. Like I don't want to mess with that. Right. So my first dabble into investing was opening up this acorns account. And I started investing five bucks, a uh, five bucks a Friday. And I knew like I was dead broke. I mean, we had no money, you know, and, but I knew I was like, I need to start doing something, you know, like I'm making okay money and I have nothing to show for it. Um, so what, what amount of money will I not notice? And it was five bucks a Friday. So I started doing that. And after a few months, I opened up the app and I'm like, holy crap, I have, I don't even remember how much it was, whatever, a couple hundred bucks in there. And I saw the interest gain. It was like, I think it was like eight, 9%, something like that. And I'm like, no kidding. This is really cool. And then a few months later, I saw that I had gotten dividends. I didn't know what this was, but I saw a plus on there. And it was for like, I don't know, it was for, you know, 10 cents or something like that. But I saw a plus on the line item. I'm like, what is this? And so I'm looking up this, what I now know is an index fund or I think, or an ETF called VOO um, that I was like auto investing in. I didn't even know. You just pick a portfolio and just does it. Um, and I learned what dividends were. And it was at that point that I was like, hmm, this is really, really interesting. And so I just started reading books. I mean, Dave Ramsey is what I cut my teeth on. Um, so I was, you know, pay down debt and, you know, invest in your 401k and Roth IRA and you set it and you're going to live like no one else. So you can live like no one else, you know. Um, but as of late, man, I just been completely saturating myself over the past few years in personal finance and like normal people, personal finance. You know, like I would never recommend somebody um, to go day trade, you know, but there are so many normal habits that you can get into. And I think you would agree that are just like good habits. You throw some money into your investment accounts. You throw some money into savings every month. And you also learn to enjoy your money wisely. And before you know it, you look back and literally like even our age, you look back in 10 years to 15 years, you're like, man, I've, I've made some progress simply by having a little bit of knowledge. Um, so I, I think that's really cool. So COVID hits, you get serious about money. And then at that point, do you go to your friend and say, help me out? Yeah. Yeah. I, I go to him and I also do like you, like you did, uh, which I actually, I think you talked me into Acorn. I, I created oh, really? one sh shortly after you did because it was right around nice, 2015 dude. or so. Yeah. Uh, and, and same thing. It was at the time, you know, I got in and the market was going up. So of course yeah. the, the interest and everything showing was, was, you know, showing pretty strong percentage growth. Uh, and I cashed out, you know, shortly after, because, you know, obviously there are some fees involved with, uh, with Acorn, but, yep. you know, and we can get into this a little further with mutual funds. Obviously that's, that's the point of them is they take care of the hard work for you and they're, right. they're incentivized with, with your earnings as well, because the more you earn, the more, you know, right. that they get from their percentage of their fee. So kind of a win-win for everyone, much like a financial advisor. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, he, he put together like a big option of basically, you know, what, what is your goal? And, and, you know, it was really informative and, you know, how much money do you have set aside? And, um, 
you know, it was it was a pretty aggressive uh, approach, in my opinion. Yeah, like, I don't uh, know if I can swing that, buddy. Right. Well, you know, I don't <laughs> I don't want to allocate all my money uh, and have it tied up. Who knows how long COVID's going to last? Who knows how, when the market's going to rebound? You know, we could be here for two years. What if an emergency right. happens? I need access to that money. So all this stuff. Uh, so ultimately, he pushed me toward the idea of a of a mutual fund, which yeah. I. I had no idea what a mutual fund was. You know, I knew, like, like you mentioned, I knew, I knew about the stock market. I knew I could buy Amazon stock. I could buy, you know, uh, oil stock, you know, from different companies. There's, there's different type of companies on the stock market, yep. uh, but didn't really realize that there were these mutual funds that were basically, you know, they had a stock symbol, but they were comprised of all these various stocks. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, they're operated by and managed by some sort of a Merrill Lynch or an American right. fund or some sort of a, a company like that, uh, that basically every month they reevaluate the, the companies that are making up their, their uh, mutual fund. And they uh, also look at predictive measures of what do they, you know, do they expect next quarter to be big for tech or to be big for oil? And I'm sure they have access to right. all these fancy algorithms that <clears throat> give them all this info. Uh, but they comprise this mutual fund for you. Uh, and all you got to do is just put the money down and, you know, they diversify the investment for you. Uh, right. And they've got the secret sauce to make sure it includes everything that it needs. And, you know, there, there is a small fee for them to manage that. But sure. like you said, I didn't know anything about investing. I, I don't have the the knowledge or ability to know that, you know, no I, I hear next quarter is going to be real big <laughs> for tech, Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and, and I, I should, I start to know those things now, right? right. It's, it's interesting how much investing has started to change how I think. Absolutely. Like going back to March, you know, Francis was like saying at one point, she's like, you know, I heard that I heard this Zoom video stuff may be a good no stock way. To, get, to get into, you know, yeah. and, I, and I look down and at this point, this is like March 15th. Yeah. Uh, and I look down and I think they're trading for like $120 a share. Right. And the prior month they were at $80 a share. And I'm like, man, I think I think we missed the boat on this one. You know, it's probably a little too late. Boy, is that I not know, right. <laughs> Zoom, I think, is up to about $400 a share yeah, now. You could have quadrupled up. the money even when yep. she mentioned it. Um, so I start to think about things like that. Peloton's another example yeah, of a stock yeah. that is just blowing up during during COVID. Um, and obviously airlines and these other mm-hmm. hotels, those are are down. And yep. You know, right now is probably a good time to buy some airline stock. Yep. Uh, because you know that when things open back up, the airlines are going to naturally change. That's so right. It's interesting thinking about things yep. like that. But absolutely, I did not trust myself to put together no. a portfolio, uh, and I also didn't want to just take, you know, a thousand dollars and buy Amazon stock. It's very risky. As we know with my experience with, <laughs> with my uh, previous yeah, employer, that's right. I took a big lump of money and I put it on one company. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I put it on black and the ball landed on red. That's right. Uh, you know, so that's, <laughs> that's exhibit right. A of the importance of, of diversification. Yep. Um, so th- that was my approach. And I, I did eventually get into standard stock investing. Uh, you did. I started okay, I was to, ask to build you. my own, you know, portfolio and try yeah. that diversification uh, myself, which has been a really interesting experience. Yeah. Um, is it been going well for you? It has. Yeah. You know, it, it, I, the one thing I've learned, if you, you know, there's always risk. Yes. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. our, our experience with our initial we were stupid. investment, we were stupid. We were stupid. And that is not the norm. Now, that's Correct. the norm. If you if you throw money on a penny stock, Correct. Sure, that could happen. Correct. But if you're if you're putting money in Exxon and Southwest Airlines, you're not and, losing and, your money in a week, and Netflix, you know, it's going to take a long time before the company announced banks are bankruptcy right. and you'll have time to to liquidate and, and not lose too much money. Yep. Um, I did go after a few, not to get too much details. I did go no, after some of the, uh, you know, some of the rumored uh, vaccine uh, did you manufacturers. Really? And get okay. into that biomed side yeah. of uh, of stock, and uh, there was one that I got in at a dollar ten cents per share, and I cashed out at seven dollars a share. No in, kidding. Uh, in August, but Good I didn't you. throw. I, I put like fifty bucks in because sure. you know, with my experience and everything else. So you're just playing I, though, like you're figuring it out. You know, you're learning. You're learning. So yeah, I made like you know, I don't know, like three hundred bucks or something yeah. from a fifty from a fifty dollar investment, which was which was cool. Yep. Um, so I'm learning. You know, as as I as I get older, uh, you know, who knows? Five years from now, uh, I might be well equipped to be a little more aggressive. Try some day training. Try right. some penny stock, but. I think that's something that takes years and years of experience 
yep. before you can step into that category. Yeah, for sure. Have you, uh, well, who do you use for your, your brokerage? What brokerage account? I use Merrill Edge. Okay. Um, which is actually integrated with Bank of America, which which we use for our banking. So nice. um, for Bank of America users, it's really nice because it actually on the same page where you can see your checking and your savings and your advanced savings, oh. you also see your your actual Merrill no Edge way. account okay. balance, and you can you can just very easily transfer money directly from your checking to your Merrill nice. Edge account, and there's no fees or anything involved with that. Uh, this conversation was not brought to you by Merrill Edge, but uh, <laughs> but that, that's what I use, and it it it's, it's makes it really easy. It's not intimidating. Not intimidating. There there aren't any fees involved. There's no minimums, um, which, as you already alluded to, is I think the norm now. It's not it's the like norm now for sure. Trade in 2015. No, so the market has been become so competitive that yep. if you charge a tr- charge a trading fee, you're not going to last. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, man. I mean, you're a little bit more advanced than me in that, and I am super conservative. I mean, I, I don't like risking my money. I don't have enough of it right now to feel like I can risk it, you know? Um, but I think that down the road, I will, I'll dabble in individual stocks and I've heard different things. Like some people say, you know, diversify, diversify, diversify. Some people say the best diversification is like a a portfolio of 15 individual stocks, nothing more. A lot of people, it's weird. I've heard that some people can be over diversified, um, which I, I mean, I probably am, to be honest with you. But um, what I do now, so I, I had a Weeble account. Have you ever heard of Weeble before? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I had a Weeble account. Um, transitioned that recently over to M1 Finance um, because Weeble didn't, you couldn't buy fractional shares, if you're familiar with what that is. So you couldn't buy a piece of a, a company, right? You had to buy the whole thing in a lump sum. And you couldn't do um, drip investing. So the dividends that I get, I, it didn't automatically reinvest them into my portfolio. I had to do it manually. And of course that manually took a long time because I could only buy it in lump sums, right? Right, right. So I moved everything over to M1. And so what I do now is I um, I do an ETF called VU, I guess some people call it, or VOO, which is essentially a Vanguard fund that mimics the S&P 500, right? So it's just straight mimicking the S&P 500, which I love. I can look it up every day. Cool. It's up. Awesome. Done. Um, I also have a separate kind of pies is the way that M1 Finance does of dividend accounts. So I have like a high yield dividend, um, a high growth dividend. And then part of it is in an ETF called uh, ARC, which is a technology ETF. So a portfolio custom made purely on tech companies. And the way M1 does it is I allocate how much percentage of my money I want in each of those buckets. And every time I put money in there, it allocates it perfectly. So if I put a hundred, it'll be, you know, 70, 10, 10, 10, or whatever it is. Um, So that's, that's all that I'm doing now. I mean, I do a 401k, obviously um, real estate in primary residence. I own a home. So that's been nice. And I've had a ton of success with that, which is I talked to a lot of people about everybody thinks that real estate has to be like flipping houses and investment properties and rental properties. But I've made a ton of cash simply by buying really smart. And then, cause you're going to work, we're going to move. Right. Um, so when I sell, I'm in a great position because I'm a little bit handy and I fix some stuff up in the house and make 50 K in two years, you know, like it's not a, not a bad thing at all. So, um, that's cool, but you're ahead of the game than me, man, and the individual stocks. Like I haven't done it since the Dex days. Maybe I just burned too much. Yeah, I, I don't have that much money in them. Don't think that I, you know, I, I definitely probably of, of the money that I have invested since March, uh, I would say 80% plus is in mutual funds. Gotcha. And, you know, very small portion is in, is in, the, in the individual stock. Uh, but the one last, one thing that I mentioned on the mutual fund thing that I want to yeah. point out, really interesting to me that I had no clue how all this worked, you know, with the individual stocks, Amazon, Exxon, mm-hmm. Southwest Airlines, GM, whatever it is, uh, you know, your transaction is real time. So, you know, you see in this moment what? that that, 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 you know, stock is trading for $15 a share, you know, as soon as you click the button to, to buy, you know, you, you get it at whatever it is in that exact moment. Right. Um, mutual funds, on the front end, when you're buying stock, I think you actually have an advantage. You, you, you get the answers to the test, as I like to say, because the, the, the mutual funds get a closed number at the end of each day. Mm-hmm. They don't have a, a, a variable number throughout the day. So you can look and see that, you know, the S&P is down 2% today. I know that means that when my mutual fund closes at the end of the day, it's going to show 
around 2% down. Right. Um, so you know that's a day you probably want to throw some money in because it's, it's right. down. On the flip Point. side, whenever the S&P's up, you think, well, I probably shouldn't buy anything today because I know my mutual fund's going to be up. Yeah. So that was it, it through the craziness of February, March, and April when we would have those days where yeah, it was just paying 7%. Yeah. I knew that you know those were the days to, to buy in, to, to try to get in at low points. That's and, great. You know, a day that went down, you know, I think 8% is like, man, let's, let's, let's throw a couple hundred dollars in today. This is Absolutely. a, this is a massive drop. Um, so that was a strategy that I took now on the, the, the back end of this, when it's time to cash out, uh, you know, I'm not going to have the answers to the test, right? right? Because maybe it's a day that I see the S and P is up 2%. Yep. Um, you know, I, I basically, I think you get the cash out of like the prior day. Um, so, okay. so, you know, you, you kind of have a little, a little less flexi- flexibility with with using that, but that's another reason why I think mutual funds are, are a little safer. They're more conservative. Absolutely, yep. Uh, and you could, I'm sure, Google popular mutual funds oh, yeah. and, and get a long list of, of options. Uh, just for your awareness, the one I use is uh, GWPFX. Okay. It is an American Funds uh, mutual fund. Okay. And they, uh, you know, they'll send out like uh, every quarter they send out. Here are the stock symbols that are going to be included in the mutual fund oh, this, cool. this quarter. Here are the ones that were removed, uh, and they also send out the results from the prior month. So, like, nice. you know, I think like four percent of that mutual fund in Q3 was made up of Amazon. Just, just as an example, those are the yep. sort of companies that make up these mutual funds. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, I've never done, I've never done the mutual fund thing. Well, my four hundred one k I think is made up of mutual funds. Uh, yes, but that's most, kind most of, of a, them are. Yep. Right. But individual stuff that I've done on my own has been index funds and ETFs, which I think, I mean, they're very similar to mutual funds. And I think the difference between ETFs and index funds are ETFs are traded once a day, kind of like your mutual funds. Index funds are traded like a stock, like an individual stock. Mm-hmm. So I could buy an index fund that mimics the S&P 500 and I could day trade it essentially, which is pretty interesting to think about, but I haven't, I haven't done much of that. Um, so where do you, where do you learn about finance? I mean, is it, is it reading? Is it podcasts? What do you do? You know, I, I do reading, but I'll be honest, most of it is just online searching. Um, okay. you know, any, any question that you have or specific, uh, concern that you run into, uh, you know, the beauty of Google, Google search is going to, it's, nice. it's going to give you an answer. <laughs> now from there, you know, I think nerd wallet is a really popular oh, one I like that, that, website. That, I, that I'll get to. Uh, there's a few others that, that, are, are the common ones that I'll, that I'll use, but that is my primary source of, of getting quick answers and self-educating. Uh, podcaster is more of a, a deeper dive into that. And I listen to them every now and then. I don't, I don't think yeah. I'm as, as loyal of a podcast listener as, as you are, uh, <laughs> but usually it, it's just web searches. Gotcha. Yeah, man. I, I'm completely obsessed um, to a fault. I, I read about money and sometimes I have to intentionally tell myself like, you need to take a break, bro, because it's just money all the time. You were the one that, that had me read rich dad, poor dad way Come back on. in 2015. And I feel like I need to, re- I honestly, I think that would be a great reread yep. now, like five years after my initial no investing experience yeah. at all, have never had any money. Now would be a great time to revisit that. Yeah. Uh, man, that's crazy. I, I've gotten so many people to read that book. Like it's wild. It's a great book. And it's so, it's like a building block one. Like for those that don't know much about the assets and liabilities, entrepreneurship, investing, it's a great book. Um, Dave Ramsey, um, Total Money Makeover was super instrumental. I don't follow everything that he says now, uh, but he definitely was my motivation to, all right, let's get financially fit. Um, I just started reading, um, I think I I think I have it. It's um, by Tony Robbins of all people um, called money master the game. And it is a thick, I mean, it's 800 page book, but it just talks about what, what the super wealthy people, what the financially fit people do um, regarding investing and, you know, um, the way they think about things. And so I'm in the middle of that. And then I just listen to tons of podcasts and tons of YouTube videos. I mean, there are some people out in your neck. Have you ever heard of Graham Stephan or Graham? I think it's called Graham Stephan. He's a YouTuber, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He lives out in your neck of the woods. And uh, so I follow him quite a bit and just a ton of YouTube people. Um, I'm addicted. And it's kind of one of those things I always tell people, like whenever you start winning, it's a catalyst. It's like, oh shoot, man, I'm up. And I'm sure, dude, if you were buying on those dips, I mean, I'm sure you're up pretty, pretty decent amount in your mutual fund. 
It's, it, I think it's around 40%. Yeah. I mean, since, you know, overall, you know, since yeah. March. And I'll be honest, I, I've not put any money into it since September. Sure. After like learning how this system works, I mean, this, it, it's at an all time high right now. Why would I buy anything? Absolutely. Uh, just, you know, save this money a little bit and then use it in the more versatile area. Sure. Um, but, you know, and, and I and I know every investing jockey is going to tell you that I'm, you know, all it's going to continue going up, buy in, sure. But like, there's just that, something, there's something greedy about getting in at such a low point in March. It's the bargain, dude. It's that, it's that, like, like fine, yeah, I totally get you, it. Once you buy that T-shirt for twenty dollars, I'm not going to pay forty dollars for that T-shirt. I'm no going to wait until twenty dollars again. Yeah. So you know, the next dip, I've got money ready set aside to to dive on back in. Yeah. Um, but I've been just super conservative lately, just because the the stocks have have lost their, their versatility. And, and my, my friend, you know, financial advisor had told yeah. me that you know, what was happening between February and May oh. was unlike anything we we've, we've, we've seen even absolutely even the 2008 crash. Yes. Um, just because, you know, stocks are, as they go up and to the left, you know, the Dow Jones is trading for 30,000 share yeah. now. Well, yep. in, in the 2008 crash, it was, you know, even before that crash, it was only at like 15,000. Wow. So like when something drops 4k and it's 15,000, the percentage of that drop, is well, actually, you know, is, is a more significant percentage, but right, but it, it's just the the fluctuation of what was happening. Where one day it's down eight percent, one day it's down seven yeah. percent. That was just something like we've never seen before when that was happening this yep. this February, March, and April. Yeah, I agree, and I do. Um, I called cost dollar averaging, I guess, but basically, I just take a certain amount of money every month. I don't care if it's up, I don't care if it's down, I don't care if it's stagnant. I throw that bad boy in there. Yeah, your discipline is it will will prove your I hope I went out in the long run you will absolutely will it, to me it, it's just the principle of the matter and, and I'll get over <laughs> it in a few months when I realize that Nick the market's not going to crash every year right you know it's going <laughs> to happen about once every 15 years you can't wait right. 15 years to invest again yep. uh, so I'll be back soon but yep. for now I'm just kind of greedy that's funny it's the and I, I'll, I have a couple more questions for you. I'll get you I'll get you out of here but so you know me I'm just like I, I love a deal I love making money off of stuff, man. So um, you would have loved, in fact, I'll show you. So I, you see those like big coffee makers down there? Yep. So that looks like you got that from Denny's. So <laughs> exactly my point. Um, my job, so we just moved um, office buildings. So they built a brand new building and the office put up like all this old stuff for auction. And you know me, it's like, Ooh, auction. Like I'm, I'm gonna make some money here. So I'm, I'm filtering through and I see these coffee makers and they're called like a, a Curtis Gemini and they're going for 25 bucks. I'm like, okay, Th these have to be like pretty decent. You know, I've used these for like a year. Like they have to be pretty decent. Quick Google search and it shows you they're going for what normally? So quick, quick eBay, go to uh -huh. click the filter sold, right? Cause I want actual what's, what's sold this month. Absolutely. Seven hundred to a thousand dollars for used ones, bro. Wow! I bought two of them for twenty nine dollars a piece. <laughs> Man, that's like uh, you know, we're talking. I'm trying to do the math in my head, like a twelve hundred percent return potentially. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's insane. It's more than that. Yeah, that's well. And what's mind boggling is that nobody else in my company thought that way. And I was wow. talking to I was talking to one of my somebody on leadership before I left. And he was like, yeah, I, I kind of considered it, but you know, some people just don't have the hustle. And I think that, I think maybe that's a commonality between me and you and a lot of people in finance is that you just kind of have like a hustle gene or like, you know, you, you just get attracted to figuring it's almost like a puzzle, right? Like you figure this thing out. And if I do this in 10 years, I'll be here. Or if I buy on the dips, I'm going to come out 40% ahead when it comes back up, you know, I think it's, I think there's that trait in a lot of people. Um, so a couple, a couple more questions for you, man. Um, what are your, you already talked about this a little bit, but what are your financial goals? Ultimately, I, I will admit that my, my, my goal, first and foremost, my goal is to not have to worry about money. That's my goal. I, I don't, you know, if, if I want to order a pizza tonight, because, you know, I, I don't know, I, I just, I'm just not feeling good and I just right. want a little pick me up. Or if, you know, if I want to go down to, uh, 
to the restaurant and grab and grab a beer and a dinner just because of, you know, or Francis and I want to go out one evening because it's a Friday. I don't want to ever have to turn down those sort of decisions because of money. Yeah. So, and I want that of course, to apply to my kids. Now, absolutely. There are, there are limits with everything, you know, of yep. course we can't go out to dinner every night. I'm not saying that I want that. You know, I can't, I can't give my kid every sort of gift that he's going to want or she's right. going to want. That's not what I'm saying. But the ultimate you know, goal was just to not have to worry about money. Um, so maybe that's dumb. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, that, but that, to me, that's, that's the, the first and foremost goal, you know, a tangible goals, you know, definitely want to buy a home. And, uh, I think, you know, we're getting closer to where we want to be to do that. Uh, it's tough out here, uh, you know, it's an expensive I mean, area. It's, and, yeah. and if you're introducing a kid into this, you have to worry about, you know, school systems and, and public school systems out here are not great. And that's, that's a whole nother expense. Yeah. So, a lot of stuff to uh, to consider there, uh, but that is my that is my next tangible goal. I don't I don't have any, you know. No, I'll drive my 2012 Nissan Altima until Still got it falls it. apart. That's right. I, 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 I sit in a car, <laughs> especially during you know. Imagine imagine spending all this money on a car and working remotely for the last nine months, not using it. You know, I mean, it just you're paying. Who knows what people pay on cars? You know, six dollars a month. I think the average in America is like five fifty now a month. Wow. Wow. So Unreal. we have my car, which was paid off three years ago. And then we got Francis's, uh, we got her a Prius. It's a hybrid, oh, nice. uh, $300 a month car payment, nothing yep. fancy. That's yep. it. Um, so I don't have any dreams of having a Tesla of, <laughs> of going to, you know, Zimbabwe or, or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. I just, you know, I want a home and I don't want to have to worry about money. Yeah, no, I love that. And it, I think, a lot of people in the finance space, um, the biggest thing that they want is the freedom. It's like, I don't, I don't typically hear people say, oh man, like I sacrificed all this time and you know, all this diligence throughout the years and said no to the pizzas and the Chipotle for 20 years so that I could buy that Lamborghini. You know, like I just don't hear people say that. But what I hear people say is, I don't want to have to freaking worry about money. I don't want to work a job that I don't like. I don't want to have to say no to my kids going to a certain school. I want to give my wife her dream house, right? Like it's, it's the free, I want to be able to trap. It's the freedom that I think a lot of people are yeah. attracted to. You know, a, a family event comes up, you know, a sibling has a kid or, you know, uh, just some sort of event you want to go and visit somebody. Like I want to be like, all right, let's go. No let's problem. get on the plane. Let's go there. You know, we'll, we'll yep. get the hotel. We'll get the rental car. That's fine. We, 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 we've worked our butt off for this moment. You know, we, we've yep. got the money. And to me that, that ultimately is the, like the safety net that investing creates, you know, even, yes. even your example of that acorn account, um, you know, and, and you're putting in just that the money, you don't even realize it's gone. Right. And, yep. and, you, and then you build this up um, and you've got that safety net there. Now something happened now, you know, you'd love to have that account continue to build for, for years and years and hand it off to your kid or something. But Hey, if, if something happens, you know, the car breaks, if, you know, absolutely, if you got some random hospital bills that come up, you pull from it. Um, and ultimately that, that's what this, this opportunity in March has, has created for me, you know, whether that's five, 10, 15 grand, whatever it is that you've built, you know, you'd love to continue building on it, but like, Hey, I've got a, you know, 10 grand safety net right there. If something happens in life and that, that feeds that desire to like, not have to worry about money. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm right with you. Um, all right. So last question, um, if you could give one piece of advice to someone looking to get financially fit or the novice, right? What would that advice be? I absolutely, I think the first thing you need to do is you need to go into Excel and you need to create a spreadsheet of expenses and income. Love that it. should be step one you know, what, what are my bills on a monthly basis? If you don't have some sort of sheet created where you know what's going out and what's coming in, how are you supposed to set any sort of goals and know what would know what you're saving and know what you could ultimately set aside to invest. So uh, make, make the list. This is what we pay on rent. This is what go toward the car payments. These are to the cell phone bills. These are toward the, the car insurance. Here's groceries. Here's yep. miscellaneous. Okay. X is what, what goes out on a monthly basis. And then here, here's what comes in. Uh, and then from there, I think you can start making some realistic goals. Uh, the other thing that I had no clue about, and you actually mentioned this earlier, this term, but the, the high interest savings account. 
Yes. Uh, I think the, the first thing you need to do also is to, if you're using Bank of America, whoever you're using for your, your, your direct deposit for work, that's fine. Keep that the same. Absolutely. But go and do some research, find a credible high yeah. interest savings account and take the lump sum of your savings and put it into that account. Throw it um, in there. I had no clue that, you know, I'd, we, we went with Capital One's uh, oh, yeah, sure. savings uh, back in March when they were offering a, a, a 2% annual yield interest time. on that. I'm not going to get that anymore. <laughs> Bank of America, I think, was like 0.0005. And that's because yeah. we had, a you know, the prime partnership level. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it's just nothing. nothing, man. So we've, our Capital One accounts just, it grabs, you know, $100 in income every month. It's awesome. That's $1,200 a year in, in income, you know. It's and, incredible. Uh, and and of course you're right. They they've dipped it down to about 0.5. They get yeah. you on board, but <laughs> but you can uh, do your research and put your money in a high interest savings account. You don't have to invest anything. It's just going to generate 20 bucks, 30 bucks on a monthly basis. That's money that you uh, you weren't going to get, you know, yep. if you stayed in the current setup. Dude, that's great advice. So 100% agree with you on the budget. I mean, if you don't have a budget and so many people don't, like it's crazy. They don't know what they spend. They don't know how much. They don't, yeah, you don't know how, dude, for me. And again, so we're coming from two different places, right? Because like I have a family, I've, I have to, you know, I've had to know for years. You've but, got a lot more miscellaneous rules than I do. Correct. <laughs> but there are, uh, there are so many people that don't even know what their paycheck is after tax, bro. It's crazy to me. It is just crazy. So yeah, budget number one, have to have it. And then the high interest savings account is just such low hanging fruit. Um, if you're, yeah, it's just a no brainer because there's no risk. It's like FDIC insured, just like your regular savings account is up right. to $250,000 usually. So you just keep it in there. And I yep. like them because I have a savings account with my credit union that's attached. You know, I could transfer right now on my phone. Um, but having the high yield savings account that I use is online and it takes like two or three days for th them to get me the money. So it makes me think more. I don't, I can't right. just boop, shoot it over. You know, you're right. Yeah. It's not quite as immediately accessible as your bank account. So right. like I said, obviously still keep your bank account for direct deposits. Yeah. It takes a few days to move money into the other account. takes a few days to get it back. I'm pretty sure if it's an emergency, you can make a call and they could do like a same day transfer probably right. with some fees. Uh, but yeah. Low hanging fruit is a great way to describe it. And this is, you know, what we've just said, those two tips, that's not even getting into any investing, you know, no, just, it's just, just good money habits. Walk before you run, just take those couple steps. And then I think from there, uh, you know, start doing your research into, into yep. potentially doing some mutual funds or, uh, you know, talk to your, uh, your financial advisor about a potential IRA. And those have yes. a little more, yep. you know, Retirement those have some accounts. more fine print in terms of your income and, and if you qualify mm -hmm. and the different types, as far as paying tax on the way in, paying tax on the way out. Um, those, you know, those require a little more research, I think, than just buying some stock. Right. Uh, but, but that, that, that I think, I don't know, you definitely would like to hear your input. I think the mutual funds, you know, working the stock market as well as IRA would be the next step after high interest savings account and uh, a budget uh, spreadsheet. Yeah. So what I would say is after the budget, after high interest savings account, and what I would advise people to do is use a high interest savings account for their emergency fund. Um, because I don't like, I think savings great, but after you get to the point where you're covering three to six months, you know, if you really are conservative six months, um, th there's no point in throwing additional funds in a savings account because you could even, you could throw that money into, like I said, an ETF that mimics the S&P 500. And if you don't plan on touching that in three to five years, I mean, I don't think there's ever been a time in the history of the S&P 500 where it's lost, a, lost money in five year, in a five year period. Absolutely not. I you mean, know, you so look at, look at 2020, right? It, it's We're already it's probably up 8% this year. Absolutely. Think about it. Now it dropped, you know, it was probably down about 16% at one point. Right. But but it is up this year, the worst year of all years. Yep. So budget, high interest savings account for emergency fund, 401k at your work if there's a match, right? Because that's free money again. So that's always step Absolutely. three for me. Step four, some people would say Roth. Maybe, maybe we'll have you on the, the pod again. Um, to talk about some other things that we've been talking for a long time. But um, I like retirement investing, but I, I'm not as aggressive as a lot of people probably think I should be because I don't like the idea of my money being tied up until I'm 59 and a half. 
you know? So I take advantage. I, I, I put as much money in as my company will match, but I don't have a Roth IRA at this point. Like I'm still working on a little bit of investing and building up my emergency fund even more at this point. Um, but I think even before I do Roth, which everybody says do Roth right away, but before I do the Roth IRA, I think I'm going to just up my regular investing into my brokerage first because that's money I can have. Like I can access that in 10 years if I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's uh, whether you take, uh, you know, 10%, which would be very aggressive and put it into your work 401k sure, or whether you put 5% into your work 401k and then put the other 5% into a, uh, a mutual fund on the market, you know, it, it's going to return virtually the exact same to you whenever you're 55 years old. Right. Uh, now, the difference, of course, being that uh, you didn't mention your 401k <laughs> allocation goes in pre-tax. Right. So, uh, you know, the money that you're putting into that 401k at work, it, whatever your pre-tax income is, it, it, the percentage comes from that. Makes a big difference. Uh, you know, if you if you waited and saved the 5% for your own personal mutual fund, you, you, you'd have to pay tax on it. Yep. Um, so, there's definitely pros to having the pre-tax income with the 401k, but I get your point. Uh, maybe you value having that liquidity a little bit more for that emergency fund. Um, and then also the, the point you made that, forgive me for not even pointing it out. I think that before anybody does anything about stepping into investing, uh, you, you want to make sure that you have, you know, your six months saved yeah, up as far as far sure. as yeah, an emergency fund. Yep. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, I'm sure you're going to run some disclaimer during this podcast that uh, we're not financial advice. Good, Nick. See, you've done this a time or two. Okay, I will okay. say it. Um, we're, we're not financial advisors and this is not financial advice. This is strictly for entertainment purposes. So very good. Very good. Okay. Good deal, man. Well, thank you so much um, for the time. You provided a ton of value, whether you think of it or not. A lot of people were in your shoes and are in your shoes. Um, so this is tremendously valuable. So we'll have to get you on again. But um, yeah, thanks for being on the podcast, man. Hey, it was, it was great to be a part of this. I, I really, uh, I've listened to your episodes before and uh, your mic quality is incredible. And now seeing <laughs> you on Zoom, I see why that that mic looks like uh, Sam Smith's mic that, that he uses right, to man. sing with. Uh, but yeah, but hey, thanks so much. I, I'm sure I talked more than I should have at certain points, but it's exciting to talk about money and, and managing it and, and getting people into comfortable situations and ultimately uh, not missing an opportunity, I think, of look, you know, because time, time is everything here with, with investing, as, as yep. you know, and the difference between starting at 35 versus Ooh, starting at 25 man. is, is crazy. Um, so the earlier you can start the better, but do it smart, you know, follow some of the advice we, we gave, do your own research and, and, and you'll be fine. Yeah. I love it, man. Thanks. Talk soon. Sounds good, buddy.